Here's a toast that he taught me that has become one of my favorites. Some ships are big ships. Some ships are small. But the best ships are friendships. So here's to us all. All right, so it's a good way to wrap up the coffee break and the horn of coming back and returning. It is so good to be with you. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard and just so honored to be able to share today as we continue in our series, Mended, which I just want to take a moment to just say, um, Alan's leadership in this series has been so, uh, so important. And just the, the beauty of the kingdom of God being displayed from start to finish. And our hope is that as you experience this series, you'll begin to have greater hope that heaven is not a far off distant place for those you know, who just somehow make it to that wherever that is, but that heaven is the inbreaking, coming presence of God, the rule and reign of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it is what God is doing and what he is about in the future is what he is about now and what he has been about since the beginning and that you will begin to be filled with the hope of Jesus, that he is making all things right and all things new and that is available for us today. And so I'm just honored to follow on his message from last week as he kicked it off, Always Faithful. Be on the lookout. We are rolling out a new podcast for the year and new website and new sermon audio. And so uh, that sermon from last week will be up shortly. And I hope today will be encouraging to us, challenging to us, life-giving to us as we move forward talking about right relationships in our series, Mended. So let me tell you, it was 2 a.m., when we heard the knock on our door. I'm sure that it took a couple knocks before it kind of could make its way to the back of the house where Lauren and I were sound asleep. But if you've ever had someone knock on your door at 2 a.m., you know it's a little disorienting. It's really unsettling and disconcerting to think, why is someone knocking on my door at 2 in the morning? I took a deep breath you know, had to go handle the situation, so mustered all the courage I had, the two muscles, and was ready for what might be waiting at the door. And as I got out of bed and had enough awareness, I grabbed my phone only to realize there had been over 10 missed calls. And it was in that moment I realized that what was waiting at the door for me was something most likely of significant brokenness and pain. And I'll just tell you, this is probably similar to the pain and brokenness each of us at some point in our journey in our life have encountered through a friend, a loved one, a coworker, and maybe all too close to home because you were the one knocking on the door or you were in such a situation that you needed someone knocking on somebody else's door to help you. As I went to the door, I just began to open the door so that the next moments and hours and days were a blur of heartache. The weight and heaviness of brokenness surrounded me and my family, and a longing for the reality of heaven to conquer the reality of hell surfaced in great awareness for me. I remember tears, I remember mourning, I remember the shattering and the brokenness of relationship that we were now on the front lines of. 
I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember longing for what was unfolding to just not be the end of the story. Could the pain and brokenness of that moment and that 2 a.m. awakening not be the end of the story? And it's with incredible hope and delight that I tell you this morning that that was not the end. And that the marriage and the relationship and the lives that were being ripped apart at two in the morning have been on a beautiful journey of mending and restoration and reconciliation. And today I'm telling you that God brings beauty out of what's broken. When we talk about right relationships and we look at Scripture and we look at the kingdom, the truth of God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is that they are in the business and in the posture and the love and the character and the faithfulness of bringing beauty out of what's broken. And I'll just tell you, if you're here today and you have a story of brokenness, particularly in regards to a relationship of great importance, maybe it's, you know, it could be marital, it could be familial, it could be, you know, more jovial. It could be friendship-oriented. It could be a work relationship. It could be, you know, something in your past. It could be something unfolding right here, right now, today. I want you to take heart that there is a loving God who desires to bring, bring beauty and life and resurrection to the broken places in our story, especially to the broken relationships in our life. And so I want to turn again to Revelation 21, where we encounter the reality of God's kingdom and who God is and what he's about. And it's my hope today that as we look at Revelation 21 and as we explore various places in Scripture, that you will take heart that God brings beauty out of what is broken. Let's read out of Revelation 21 together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. No more 2 a.m. awakenings. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, 
their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. I'll tell you, this is an incredible picture, an incredible revelation, an incredible picture of the truth of God and who He is and what He is about and the invitation for us into relationship to set our hope that 2 a.m. awakenings are not the end of the story. That brokenness is not the end of the story. That mourning and pain and death and dying is not the end of the story. But there is a beauty unfolding from the kingdom of God for all who say yes. God brings beauty out of what has been broken. There was beauty in the beginning. If you go to the creation story that he was making and it was good 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 and it was real good and he rested. Beauty in the beginning. And then we see this beautiful picture of beauty at the end that what God is doing in a new heaven and a new earth in a city where he dwells with his people it's full of relationship being set right all things being made new there is beauty in the end, and the process that we're in right now is the mending of the kingdom of God at work meeting us right where we are. Beauty in the beginning, beauty in the end, mending in between. Mending in between. He says, I am making all things new. I will wipe every tear from your eye. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of life. It's a kingdom of restoration, of reconciliation, of resurrection, a kingdom mending all that has been broken. This might be a risky question. Anybody in the room today ever had a relationship broken or end on unideal terms? Okay, a couple. <laughs> I, I will tell you this. Anybody ever been past seventh grade? <laughs> there you go. Everybody then. That's every, everybody. Everybody who ever survived seventh grade knows the pain of unright relationships. Are you with me this morning? Yeah, I'm telling you, like, you know this. This is what it is. Like, seventh grade is the epitome of, like, self-centered, broken relationships, Right? The kingdom of God is not for that. The kingdom of God is saying, you will survive seventh grade, you will make it past eighth grade, and I will be there to help you discover what right relationships really looks like. Because right relationships have their birth and their life and their sustaining water. The spring of life that sustains right relationships is in the kingdom of God. And what I know is this, if there is a God who's saying, I will wipe every tear from your eye, I will, no more pain, no more crying, no more mourning, no more brokenness, what does that tell you about life? There are tears to be wiped, there's brokenness to be mended, there's death to be conquered with life. This is what we know. Am I right? Yes. So we might get a, a little bit uncomfortable with what I read in verse 8, right? The faithless, the cowardly, the detestable, the liars, the murderers. But all of that's happening. All of that is happening. And so what we see in Revelation is a God saying, I bring beauty out of what is broken. And it's relational. It's relational beauty. I will be with you. I will be their God. This will be a city where I dwell among the people and it's an invitation to us all, not for some distant day, but for here and now. Will we allow God to begin to make 
beautiful things out of our broken stories. Beauty in the beginning, beauty in the end, mending all things, all things. As we were worshiping today, that hope was set deeper in my heart. Could heaven come to earth in greater measure here and now? More mending, less brokenness. You know, in week one, Alan defined mending for us this way. To mend is to set right, to put into good shape or working order. To improve or strengthen, to restore to health. I love healthy relationships. I love when relationship is right, that you know that the identity and the interaction and the dynamic of the relationship is good and life-giving. That's what the kingdom's all about. That's what the kingdom is all about, to set right, to put into good shape or working order, to improve or strengthen, to restore to health. He highlighted a, a principle from Stephen Covey that what we need to do is begin with the end in mind. Let me just ask, any of you begun a friendship and you go, I want this friendship to start so that we can both experience utter pain, disappointment, destruction, backstabbing, like just so we can destroy each other. No. No. Anybody, you know, like I, I spend a lot of time with couples and, and marriages where they're in the distress and it's painful and I think, I, I don't think on your wedding day you were like, hey, let's spend lots of money to bring lots of people to a party that we throw for them, actually, the party's kind of for them because we're going to be overwhelmed. We're going to be so, like, just, um, like, exhausted. And then we're going to exchange these vows to just destroy each other's lives. No. No. See, what we need to do is begin with the end in mind, and that's for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is all about things being made right, mending what's broken, and inviting the power and the rule and the reign of God to have full access to me, which includes all of my relationships, so that we begin to see if God is about making all things right, wiping tears, no more mourning, no more death, no more destruction, then guess what we can be about as followers of Jesus? As followers of Jesus, we get to be a part of that. And we get to join with God in the desire for relationships to be right. We get to join with God in his desire for relationships to be right. Right relationships are so good. They're, just, they're better than wrong relationships. Are you with me? That's kind of like a simple principle. You can tweet that if you want. Right relationships are better than wrong relationships. If you're not a follower of Jesus, let me just tell you, the invitation to follow Jesus, I think, invites you into a life different than what our culture offers as the normal, average, day-to-day -day life. Jesus invites us to this kingdom life where all things are being made new, that all things are being set right, where there's no more mourning, there's no more death, there's no more dying. We don't get it all yet, but that's the end game. That's what we invite God to do in our lives one day at a time. And we can do it in our relationships. And here's what I mean. In Revelation 21, we see the hope that the kingdom of God is in the process of making all things right. So now we have a trajectory for relationships. But I'm going to tell you that the kingdom of God runs from beginning to end in, throughout Scripture. And so listen to the Ten Commandments in light of what God says in Revelation 21. Exodus 20 says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Sounds relational. Out of the house of slavery. Sounds like a good thing. 
You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Sounds like a wrong relationship. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Sounds relational. The first four commandments are all about having healthy, right relationship with God so that what he's doing in Revelation can happen now. The God of Revelation making all things new was wanting to make all things right with the people of God in the Old Testament. goes on to say this. Honor your father and your mother, that your, may, your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, servants, Ox, donkeys, let me just tell you, if my neighbor had donkeys today, I might be thinking those are some sweet donkeys. I don't have donkeys. I might go, wow, I don't have donkeys. I don't have any ox. They put it on social media, it might really make me jealous. Anybody there? No? That doesn't happen to you? Maybe there was actually something really early in Scripture about what it's like to live nowadays in social media where we can look at everybody else's stuff and all their vacations and all their trips and all their photos and all their lives that look perfect. See, God was giving us a way to relate to one another. To relate within our families. To not cross boundaries and break relational bounds that bring in death and destruction and brokenness. God is saying, let me set you up for right relationships. And here's what I know. If you're here today and anything that I just read off the list, you go, you know what, Kurt? You just talked about me. What I'll tell you is that my heart longs for you to know freedom. That we as a community would know how to relate to God and put him first and begin to orient our lives to the one who is worthy of praise and gives me a direction for my entire life so that I'm not blown by all the ideas that come from social media posts to another, or this news pundit, or that radio article, or this 2 a.m. awakening in the night. But that I would have a steadiness for right relationship. And then when I look at how he asks us to relate to one another, don't murder, value life, begin to cultivate life in other people. If you're married, fight for that relationship. Because stepping outside, it just gets messy. It does. I spend time talking with people who are walking and navigating that. There is a real battle for your relationships. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. There is a real battle. Revelation 21, verses 7, verses 8. There is a real struggle for right relationships. It's not just Old Testament. See, Jesus is on the scene in the New Testament in Matthew 22, and he's asked, what, what is the greatest commandment? 
I like Jesus. I'm trying to learn how to follow him in greater integrity and passion. And when they were asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That sounds like a whole person, whole being sort of love. And he goes, he goes on to say this, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. God desires right relationship. He says the entire law and prophets are summed up in these two. God desires right relationship. The kingdom of God and the, the thread of the kingdom is throughout all of Scripture. Remember in Genesis in the beginning when God created, he was God ruling and reigning over all. In the end, he's making it all right and all new and everything in between is inviting us into right relationships. So here's three categories I think for us to just explore in our own lives today that really matter. How are you doing in your relationship with God? God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are they really God of your life or are you still trying to figure that out? To be transparent, on any given day, I'm still trying to figure that out. Because here's what I do. God, I want you to have everything. I give you my life, I give you my affection, I give you my relationships, my work, my family, my leisure, my money, and then I take my money back. And I take control, and I stress, and I worry, and I play God. And it, it stresses me out. It makes me anxious. It makes me fearful. And then, and then I go, okay, I'm going to give it back. And then I take this relationship back, and then I take it... I, Anybody else do that dance? That might just be me. How are you doing in experiencing God as Lord over all of your life? That's kingdom language, right? I never got to wear the suit of armor or ride in a jousting match, but, the, you know, in the kingdom, in the medieval times, the, like, the Lord, if the Lord showed up, everybody would bow to the Lord. We're invited to allow Jesus to be Lord over our whole life. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Are the priorities of your life putting God first? Or is something trying to take the number one spot? Is something trying to become an idol? Is something trying to kind of go, hey, worship me. Give all your attention over here. Trust me to provide for you. Trust me to satisfy your soul. Trust me to be your identity and find yourself in me. Every day that's a battle for me. Every day that's the struggle. How am I doing in letting God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be in control? It's a relationship. See, the commandments aren't about, you know, just rules. They're an invitation to relationship. They're an invitation to how we will live our, our life. Will we relate to God in a way that puts God in, in front? And number one, God desires right relationships. How about me and others? Now, here's what I know. Every single one of us have a difficult relationship right now in our life somewhere. <laughs> somebody has done you wrong. Somebody has said a hurtful thing to you. Somebody has disappointed you. Somebody has left you. Somebody has hurt you. Every single one of us. And I say that with, like, as much certainty as I can without being God. <laughs> See, the kingdom of God matters for real life here and now. Relationships matter. Love your neighbor as yourself. How you love your neighbor is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about your neighbor and what they're doing. 
I'm not talking about if they're making it difficult for you, if they don't share the same beliefs as you, if they screamed at you, if they stole from you. How are you doing in your heart loving your neighbor? How is that relationship for you personally? Because if it's difficult and if it's hard, guess who's suffering? You are. You are. And God cares about how you're doing internally. Heart, mind, soul, whole person. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the third category. How are you doing with the relationship with yourself? God loves you. God's affection is for you. And yet, one of the most like painful critics in my own head is my own voice. And if I'm honest, if there's this kingdom battle, kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness, the enemy will try to lie and deceive you to put you as your own enemy. The relationship you have with yourself matters because if you are beating yourself up, if you're not valuing yourself, if you're not viewing yourself in light of the love of Christ, then guess how you're treating one another? Love your neighbor as yourself. And sometimes it's easier to see value in other people, and sometimes it's easier to kind of love your neighbor as you would like to love yourself, but how you love yourself matters. Your relationship with God, your relationship with one another, and stranger, and neighbor, and foreigner and local, the relationships we have with humanity matter. And the relationship we have between our own ears and in our own heart with our own self matters. God desires every relationship in your life to be right. He desires every relationship in my own life to be right because guess what? In that place of the coming kingdom, I am set free. I'm set free. When Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free and to relieve the oppressed and release the oppressed, I think it was in regards to relationships. That's part of it. That's part of what he's doing. Part of what he is doing. God desires right relationships. Right relationships are central in the kingdom of God. God is love. God is relational. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God himself interacting in loving union and communion out of that relationship, out of that beautiful mystery, which I don't fully understand. That's why I'm not God. (laughs) Just in case you were curious this morning, (laughs) don't be disarmed, okay? It's all right. I have need for a loving God who will help me where I struggle in my relationships in my insecurity, who will come back again and say, Kurt, you are the one I love. You are worth all of this. Let me be your safe place. Let me be the one you trust. Let me be out out in front. Let me be in control. Trust me. And let that relationship then spur you on in others. Let that relationship give you identity for yourself so that you can live the life of love I've called you to. Relationship matters. And if you're here today and you're exploring faith, Let me tell you, Jesus is inviting you into relationship first. If we get that right, all the other stuff will begin to fall in place. But here's what's hard. We have to begin to surrender our ideas and our our beliefs and our interactions into that relationship with Jesus. Say, God, what would you do? Jesus, what would you do? Or what would Jesus do? 
that we begin to live relationally. We begin to live relationally. So if we can do this, if we can understand that God desires relationships to be right, and we let it start with me, then what you'll see is we've all been invited to mend. We've been invited to mend. Here's the challenge of the morning. All of this sounds really nice. I mean, it just does, right? No more brokenness, no more tears, no more pain. If I'm honest, I think this is the deepest longing of my heart. And if you allow yourself to go there, it might be yours too. For things to just be right. In the kingdom of God, we've been invited to mend. And mending starts with me. You get it? M-E-N-D-I-N-G. Mending starts with me. In relationships, mending always starts with somebody risking first. Mending starts with me. This is the, the invitation of God's kingdom to me. Will I allow God to have relationship with me? Will I surrender control and begin to live under the lordship of Christ? Mending starts with me. The way Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew 6, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive. Goes on to say in verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a, that's a really, really challenging reality. How am I doing in the department of forgiveness? How am I doing? This isn't about you. It's about me. In Matthew 7, if, as you keep reading through the Sermon on the Mount, it gets to this place and it says this, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Sounds like that starts with me. How judgy am I? For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And I just say, oh Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me that I would be merciful to those around me. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? Speck. <laughs> when you have a log in your own. I mean, imagine just like this big two by four or four by four just protruding out of my head. See, mending starts with me. Will I look at my own life? Will I look at my own eyes and my own planks? Because if I can deal with the big stuff in my life, then I just come to the other people and I just go, hey, there's grace for you. There's mercy for you. It's Jesus. He came and he was kind to me and he was forgiving of me and he invited me into loving relationship and that's how I'm going to treat you. This is the most free way to live. Philippians 2 says, imitate Christ. It says, though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to hold on to, and he made himself low, coming in the form of a servant. Surrendering the will of his heart and in his life to the Father, to the point of death on a cross, mending starts with me. Will I imitate the life of Christ? Will I engage the life of Christ? 
Well, I receive the love of Jesus poured out on the cross. Well, I begin to say yes to a kingdom that knows no end and is bigger and is bigger than all the brokenness we encounter. Ephesians 5.1, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. To worship you, we live. We have been invited to be like lighthouses of hope, initiators of healing, declarers of truth that God is making all things right to be those who experience the forgiveness of Jesus and then make it our life mission to give it away. To give it away. God brings beauty out of what is broken. He desires things to be right, particularly in relationships. And then he just says, hey, let's do this together because he's relational. His kingdom is one of participation, giving away what God's given to you.